Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, ladies, we have Diana Miriam. She has become financially independent through the FIRE movement. What I think you're going to find most helpful on today's interview is that we actually talk about and we get specific around reducing expenses, which is not always fun, but she gives this amazing process that she went through to make it not only more fun, but creative. And it, it was such a phenomenal conversation connecting it to values. Must listen. One thing that I, I liked about the, this episode is that we, we reframe what living on your own terms look like. And that might be different from a couple of people. You might say, oh, that's me. And might say, that's not me. But she really opened up the gate for us to give ourselves permission to think differently and to have fun with that, as, as you were mentioning. The most important thing is that the focus is on the feeling. How can you get the feeling? And it's not the, the amount of properties, it's not the cash flow, it's not that. So I, I really appreciate this so much because it opened up a door for all of us to think what it is living on our own terms, living a life that we don't want to retire from. We want to continue living that. Really appreciate that. And I think you're going to enjoy it very much. Before we get into Diana's story, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, it's Liz. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to remind you that time is running out and you have four weeks left to get your ticket to InvestorCon 2024, the number one premier conference for women in real estate. It's happening from June 2nd to 4th in Austin, Texas. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit investhercon.com today and use the code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. That's investhercon.com and use the promo code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Welcome back, everyone. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show, where our mission is to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. Day in and day out, right, Andressa? We are committed and passionate about that, aren't we? But it's so it's so important to honor the women that are in this space of, of creating life on their own terms. And so we're so excited to have you, Diana, on our show today. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for sharing your journey with everyone listening. So appreciate your time here today. Well, thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to get into it. Like we say, we 
do not like to waste people's time. And we appreciate you and you know who I'm talking to, all of you listening. Thank you for making time to be with us on this journey. And we don't take that lightly. We want to pack as much as we can in to the time we have with all of you. So we're going to start here, Diana. What lesson has taken you the longest to learn on your journey? You know, I spent my 20s pretty much financially illiterate. And I thought to solve all of my money issues, the only thing I needed to do was increase my income. And so I did that. I made six figures before I turned 30 years old. And, you know, those were kind of my financial goals. And what took me a long time to realize is that income is only one piece of the puzzle. Wealth is built in the gap between your income and your expenses. So I wasn't paying attention to my expenses and I had no gap. So it really didn't matter how much money I was making if I was spending all of it and I wasn't building wealth. Mm. Oh my gosh. Did you get to like fell like the punch that she just sat in all of that? And I started like, wait a minute, wait, I, I my brain went to so many different directions over here. And I think that a lot of the women and men that are listening here believe then in order for them to live a big life, to be considered rich, wealthy, right? Which is completely different from one thing to another. They need to increase their income. And then the more in the land, they have a lot of abundance of, of funds. Then all the problems will be resolved and everything else. And I love what you said, the wealth is built between your income and your expenses. And I would like to dive into, into that because I think that we were thought, as you said, right on your 20s, we don't know thing. And the more that we, we get older, we're like, wow, the more that I know, more that I know that I know, I know nothing in this arena. We were not thought in school. I had two master's degree where we have finance. And I was like, I, I don't remember a thing. I remember how to do math, which is different than finance. So can we dive into, into that behavior, right? How did you make this shift from being, as, as you mentioned, not having the knowledge about money on your 20s and then finding, figuring out that building wealth is in the gap? What mm -hmm. happened? Or it was like a, a course, a pill? Like, anything. It's like uh, you got hit by a bus. What happened there? So I was about 28 years old. And, you know, I knew I had some credit card debt. I knew I had student loans, but I had never looked at it collectively. And I ran a credit report on myself mm -hmm. and I found out that I was 30 grand in debt for like no reason. There was no reason for me to be 30 grand in debt. I went to school on a full academic scholarship. I should have had no student loans, but I took them out for living expenses because that's just what you do when they're offered to you, right? And then I had credit card debt simply from living outside my means. So about half of my debt was student loans, half was credit card debt. So I run this credit card, uh, this credit report on myself and I'm like, oh, I got to do something about this, right? You know, when you're approaching 30, it's kind of one of those reflective birthdays. And so I start kind of, you know, searching around the internet. How do I clean up my finances? How do I figure this out? And, you know, a lot of what I, the content that I found online was very much like, this is going to be hard. You know, you've got to really deprive yourself. You got to eat rice and beans. A lot of that Dave Ramsey stuff. Right. And I found that very like oppressive. Right. I was like this. I had a, a hard time like wrapping my head around. Like, do I really want to do all of this? Because I'm living it up in New York City in my 20s right now. I'm having a great time. 
Yeah, right. I don't want rice and beans. (laughs) I know. So then I discovered the fire movement and it was specifically the Mr. Money Mustache blog. And I had never heard anyone talk about money the way that that Pete does in this blog. And I ate it with a spoon. I read every single article and it really helped me shift my mindset around that, like reducing my expenses in a really resourceful, creative way doesn't have to feel like deprivation. It can actually open up a level of creativity that I didn't know I had. And so it started to feel like a game to me. And what it led me to do is get out of that 30 grand of debt in 11 months. From there, I started saving and investing about 60% of my income. And that's really what set me on this trajectory uh, of where I'm at now. I've got to dive into this. I, I lo- I've never heard that before. I- we've been podcasting a long time and we talked to a lot of people and I've been, we're at this a long time in our, and I'm, I'm a lot older than you. <laughs> that's okay. You said I was able to reduce my expenses and it made me more creative. So let's, let's unpack that. T- tell us a little about, even just specifically, how did you look at, what was the process you took for yourself, right? Sure. Um, because reducing expenses, no one wants to do. I don't want, mm-hmm. I'd like my latte at Starbucks, quite mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. So tell, talk to us about what that looked like for you and then actually how it made you more creative. Sure. So for most people, the things you're spending the most money on are housing, transportation, and food. So I really started there because, yeah, you could, you know, not spend $5 at Starbucks or whatever, but that's not going to move the needle that much, right? So where I was at, I was living in New York City. My rent was like $1,800 a month for a cockroach-filled apartment in the bowels of Brooklyn. (laughs) There wasn't much I could do about that, right? I was locked into a lease. So I couldn't do anything about housing. Transportation, I didn't have a car. I was using public transit and I was doing the best I could as far as optimizing that expense. So I couldn't do much there. So Mm. that left food. And I was I had determined that I was spending like two to three thousand dollars a month going out to eat and partying. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I had to do is really look at that expense and say, what need am I satisfying by spending this money? Obviously, I have a need to feed myself. But a lot of the need that I was satisfying was social engagement. I loved hanging out with my friends. I loved going to happy hour with my colleagues. I love to drink. You know? And so how could I satisfy that need in a more resourceful way? So what I started doing is I started cooking every meal that I ate. And a lot of people would think like, oh, you know, you're a single person in New York City and you're spending all this time cooking. And But to me, it was like I learned this new skill set. I taught myself how to make better meals than I could buy out at a restaurant. And so that was like getting my food need m- met. But it was also like, it was just more resourceful and creative. I started with like teaching myself recipes, but then I started creating my own recipes, right? And then tying that into the social need, rather than going out to a restaurant, I would host these elaborate dinner parties where I would cook the food, everybody else would bring the booze, and we would like make my apartment more fun than a bar. And I would invent all these games. And (laughs) I mean, we used to have so much fun just having a group of people come over to my apartment for dinner. And I would like spend a lot of time curating the mix of people. You know, it was just a very resourceful, creative way to scratch that itch that didn't cost me two to three thousand dollars a month. I love that you're going, you have this awareness to say, listen, I like food. I like people. Right. And I'm not looking to, quote unquote, sacrifice or or mm-hmm. less because it co- so how can i be created over here and for the women that are listening right 
<laughs> we compare our real lives with other people's lives on Instagram. And then we feel that, oh, they're investing in real estate or having other types of business. And that's how life should look like. That's the house that I should have. Those are the cars that I should have. Those are the items, the possessions that, that I should have, but it's still feel empty, right? And and w- one thing that Liz and I always joke about it, but I was like, I learned something about myself that I like furniture. Mm. And dress on her 20s could buy Ikea and I'll be totally fine with that, right? And right now, I spend so much time trying to find a dining table for myself that if I was a dining table, I would be that dining table kind of deal, right? So what you're saying that, and that kind of like represent me. And I didn't want to budget on that. I, I, I That was important to me because I know that that dining table is so solid, is going to less generations. My son might look at this and say, if my mom was a dining table, she will be this dining table because she told me about. The point that I want to make to, to you is that I don't think a lot of people stop to think about what really matters to them. What mattered to you was not to be at a bar, was to have people. You got that need, man, by having people over. But I don't think a lot of people have a pulse on what really fulfill them at the end of the day. It is not the amount of houses. It's not the cash flow. So what is it? And I don't know if you have, if you, do you have a friend that thinks like that? What would you say to her? Like, how can we get unstuck? Well, I think it is a thought exercise. And the way you spend any resource, whether it's your time, your money, or your energy, is a reflection of what you value. So if there's a discrepancy between what you value deep down and the way that you're spending your resources, that's just going to feel uncomfortable. And I think a lot of us don't take the time to really dig into what we value deep down. So an example would be, you know, if you truly value family time and yet you're spending all of your time working to afford your 5,000 square foot home and you don't have any time to spend with your kids, that is a discrepancy between your values and the way you're spending your resources that feels very uncomfortable. And so if you could kind of be creative in saying, okay, I'm digging into what my values are. How can I change the way that I'm spending my resources without it feeling like deprivation? Because there are some ways that we can meet our needs and explore our values that are even superior than consumerism. So I'll give you another example. I need clothing, right? We all have clothing needs. And when I was getting going through this process of getting out of debt and, and being resourceful, I started hosting clothing exchanges. And so now my closet, and to this day, most of my favorite things are hand-me-downs from my friends. My friends are way more stylish than me. And so to be able to have everybody clear out their closet, come to my house for an afternoon of mimosas and music and trying on each other's clothes, it's so much fun. And it meets that need in a way that's far superior than me going shopping by myself. And so, again, I think drilling down into values and and 
exploring creativity and having those values met is a really great way to kind of fully leverage your resources. I love that. I'm like, I want to have a clothing exchange party. So That's like so much fun. I like that a lot. I think you're you're right, though. I think so many times when we've been told to, I mean, you know, reducing expenses is not a new idea. No one listening to this right now is like, wow, never heard of that before. But to think about it in the sense of really saying, like, what do I, is connected to what I value? And is that the only way I can get that value met? Is what mm-hmm. you, the, the journey that you went down, you said, I can do that in a different way. And I can Absolutely. actually, you're, you're checking back, you know, you have your boxes, right? Now you got socialization. I don't like shopping. But I, I have fun if uh, Justin and I go to like a consignment store because I'm doing it with PayPal. It's well, fun. So much fun doing that. Not so much fun, but it's not something I'm like, oh, I love shopping. I, that's not something I would ever say by myself. So to your point, though, I love that. So what but, exercises you do specifically? Because looking at your expenses can be very daunting. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very overwhelming for people. And quite honestly, it's one of those things that some people just don't want to look at. They know they need to. They know that, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many apps out there. Mint.com. I mean, the apps and the ability for people with a, with a click of a button to know what their income and expenses are is you can't get simpler as, as it's not even like you have to create a spreadsheet, let's be right. honest, but how many people actually do it and have a, yeah. have a pulse on what they're spending. And we always say this in the real estate investing world, if you can't manage your own money, like your own personal income, your own personal household, how are you going to manage a property? Yep. It's, it's very hard. So this is like one of, this is prerequisite. And if you want to scale a portfolio, even more important to be able to really handle your own household. So what exercise did you go through? Did you obviously put it in a spreadsheet? Did you use an app? And then to walk us through your process. And and then obviously the output is the creative ideas. But walk us through some of those initial steps because I think a lot of women can get stuck there. Sure. Well, the first step, like you said, is awareness. Most people are not aware of their expenses or even their income, right? They think of their like income before they take into account taxes and all of the deductions and that kind of thing, right? What is your actual take-home pay and what is actually leaving your bank account every month? And not even every month. A lot of people don't have... You got to look at it over a quarterly basis or a yearly basis because you have some expenses that aren't reoccurring month to month. So you won't get an accurate picture if you only look at one month. But I think the exercise is really in awareness. And the way that I was able to get there and actually start tracking my expenses and watch my money come in and out is to let my curiosity be bigger than my fear. There's a lot of fear and shame and negative emotions that people carry about money because we confuse our net worth with our self-worth. We think that, oh man, like I messed it up. I feel so ashamed about how all the money that I wasted and all the time that I spent not knowing what I was doing. Here's the thing that I've come to learn about money. It is the only thing in life that you can completely mess up and you could still fix it and be totally fine. You can't say that about your health. You can't say that about relationships. There are so few things in life that you can screw up, royally screw up and still be okay. Right. And so I think where we struggle is we look at this very impersonal tool as a goal. We confuse the tool with the goal. Right. And we want to be like sitting on a pile of money and we forget that like this is just a tool that you can go get more of at any time. Right. So I had to learn a lot of forgiveness. Yeah, I was dumb in my 20s, but I also retired from my corporate career at 33 years old. So it was okay, right? I fixed it. 
And I can always make more money, but I will never get back the time that I'm spending feeling bad about my past money mistakes. And we all have them. We all have stupid things that we do with money because it's a very emotional thing. Again, awareness, really looking at money as an impersonal tool and allowing your curiosity to be bigger than your fear is what's going to enable you to take a hard look at those numbers and start tapping into your creativity with an abundance mindset versus kind of that scarcity, you know, oh no, I wasted all of my money. I don't want to see what's going on. It like as if you're never going to make more, you know. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As if that's what it is, is to start talking. And Liz and I always talk about, okay, perceptions of what a rich life, a wealthy life looks like. And before we got started, I was like, for me, wealthy, rich, having a, a life on my own terms. And it's being able to do what I want with whomever I want, how often I want, picking up my son from the bus saying hello to the bus driver in the middle of the day or whatever that is, but having that flexibility of time. And I think that we, as you said, we got really messed up putting so much worth into the money piece as if that is the ultimate goal. It isn't because if I can get that experience, that feeling, of what it is that is meaningful to me by working less, by making less, I'm freaking rich from that perspective. You you mentioned you went from working eight hours a week, now four hours a week, right? That's what you need and want in order to live the life that you want. Tell me like what living life on your own terms looks like. What I've come to learn about money is that it's only as valuable as your clarity on how you're going to use it and your comfort level of how much is enough. And I think after a certain point of financial stability, you can kind of have this switch from not seeking more money, but seeking enough money. And that's going to look different for everyone, right? One of the things I really like to say is that the, the less materialistic I am, the more idealistic I get to be. And, you know, when you talk about you were even saying like the difference between being rich and wealthy, most people, when they think about money, they get these visions of the fancy car, the big house and the extravagances, right? And the luxuries. That is what I define as material abundance. And if anyone looked at my lifestyle, I mean, I'm not living like, you know, in a van down by the river, but I wouldn't say that I'm living like really extravagantly either either. I live in a 1100 square foot house that my mortgage is $600 a month and it's perfect for me, right? 
But what I feel is wealth to me that most people who aspire to have material wealth may never experience is time abundance, creativity abundance, relationship abundance. You know, by by kind of not aspiring to have more material abundance, I get these other like gifts of wealth, as I like to call them. And so that to me is living life on my terms and that, you know, we have been trained since birth to be good consumers and to want material abundance, to be able to say, actually, you can keep your Tesla. I don't need that. I'm really happy with my 2010 Mazda 3 that I bought for $6,000 cash that gets me around and is perfect for me. You know, it's really hard to argue with being grateful with the material abundance you already have. That's kind of, I think, how you how you open up some of this time abundance, creativity abundance, relationship abundance, and live the way that people want to live deep down. It's just they think that material abundance is going to get them that level of satisfaction. And it's just not, in my experience. Interesting to think about, you know, it's like keeping up with the Joneses, right? Mm-hmm. Keeping up with the, the the people close to you or near you that are like, especially on Facebook, right? It's like social media just doesn't help because you're comparing, you know? And I think and that a lot of people do that. So folks listening, you know, what, what does that journey look like? What are some of those key first questions that they'd ask? Because that's a materialism is a very big topic. Um, and it's a very interesting one to look at because you we, we want to honor women living life on their terms by saying, okay, if you want that Tesla, you know, that's something you really want, you go for it, you know, versus, you, you know, living below your means or not that you shouldn't, you know, live above your means, but you need to be clear on what luxury looks like and what type of it, what type of materialistic things you want in your life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what does that look like for you? I think versus what you're being told or what you've been handed down, right? So what were some of those key questions? What were some of those key like insights that you did? The How did you do the work? To kind of get clear, because that's a that's a big one. Because yeah. it's not just you, what you're being passed on from your parents, but this is a societal thing, especially where you live. It's just you know, it's this this whole societal. I don't say pressure, but uh, I think that's there for standard, people. standard, kind of yeah, people. standard. Absolutely. I think it's a lot of experimentation, you know. And when you actually have money and you have financial bandwidth, you have the privilege to be able to experiment with frugality and what level of materialism works for you. So I'll tell you, like, there was a period of time that I was making my own laundry detergent and my own face wash. I went too far. <laughs> I decided on that. Like, actually, I want to buy the nice face wash, right? <laughs> but I wouldn't know that I was getting the adequate amount of value out of that spending unless I experimented with something a little bit more frugal. And it goes the same, the opposite Mm -hmm. direction. You know, it was just my birthday last week and me and my fiance went out to an expensive steakhouse and that was a $400 dinner. And we walked away from it and we went, it wasn't worth it, right? (laughs) But then we took, you know, we took his daughter out for her 22nd birthday and we went and spent $400 on this like fancy karaoke place and had an amazing time. That was $400 well spent. And so I'm not going to feel bad about the steakhouse. I'm going to say that was a learning. I'm not going to do that again because I didn't get the appropriate amount of value out of it. So I think part of it is experimentation. The other part of it is the best way to combat keeping up with the Joneses is to not hang out with them. 
<laughs> I like that. You know, I like that. I am Diana. I have surrounded myself with people don't hang out who with the Joneses. I like that. Exactly. So I don't I feel like I surround myself with people who have pretty similar views on materialism and frugality and really recognizing that the best things in life are free. It's relationship. It's it's relationships and full autonomy over your time and being able to create what you want to see in the world. That a lot of that is free. When you approach kind of looking at money from that lens, it becomes a lot easier to say no to the Tesla for me. But, you know, somebody else that wants to say yes to the Tesla might say no to something I really value, which is like spending a lot of money traveling and going to events and that kind of thing. Right. So I really feel like there's no one size fits all. And we all have very different skill sets, circumstances and preferences that we can leverage in different ways on our way to financial freedom. So even though I'm sharing my story, like you could listen to it and say, well, my preferences don't align with hers. And that's totally fine. But I think the point that I'm trying to make is that everyone has a way to be creative about getting their needs met and being very thoughtful about the way they use any of their resources. This is a recurring word that you keep saying, and I just want to highlight for the everybody that is listening that you're saying creativity and you said it multiple times. And I think that as we get older, I don't know what it is, but we don't give ourselves permission to be creative and to test things out to see if that soap is going to work or not. Giving ourselves permission to mess up and say, well, that didn't work. Yeah, I really don't like sushi or Wow, I never thought caviar tasted that good. That was a great experience that I tried and worked and that didn't work. And I think I just want to highlight for all of you that are listening, give yourself permission. This is not a trial. This is your life. This is not a pilot. Go for it and, and see what works for you. We are talking about living life on your own terms and it might look different might look similar to certain areas to what we have talked now, but it might look different. All we want is for you to define what it is, not what your parents, not what society or social media defines what it is, but what it is for you, what works for you. Having two rentals might work for you. Maybe that's it. That's that's great. And that fulfills your need. You don't need to go to think about how the hell you're going to get into a syndication and, and manage a team of 20 people and all of that. If that's your jam, we're buddies. If that's not your jam, if, if two or three will fulfill your need, your lifestyle, go for it. You're as successful as we are if you are fulfilling that, that need. Yeah, that's all I love that. <laughs> Put the mic down. No. Yeah, I, I, I love what you're saying. And you mentioned a moment ago that you have a fiance now. Congratulations, by Thank the way. Thank you. So that's a whole other piece to it. And, and you're on this journey of like, okay, what works for me? I want to, you know, going through this process of being able to pay down your debts, save money, invest, and then eventually leave your 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 W two to 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 various circumstances, right? And now you have a fiance, and and now you're building a life together. So I'm curious because there's so many folks listening, right? That you know are in that as well. How did you align or how did you know you were aligned on values? 
are you similar in like how you see frugality and materialism or are you a little different? Just curious about that. Yeah, he was when I met him very naturally frugal, even more so than me. So he never had a spending problem. He wasn't big on investing like he. So I kind of came into the relationship with more assets. He kind of came in with really, you know, frugal, good spending habits, almost to the point of a little bit too much. Mm. So I think I have helped him a little bit with his scarcity mindset and a little bit with kind of living a little because he can see that I've approached things with abundance and it's working out okay for me, right? And so I think there's a lot of modeling and example showing in how we influence each other. And he tends to like keep things in check. I mean, even just recently, you know, we had a conversation where it was like, man, we feel like we're spending too much money. We're not paying enough attention to our... Because it's been challenging to to figure out joining our finances, mm, right? We yeah. were both so independent. I mean, we met in our 30s. He just turned 40, you know? And so we were very independent. And so to have to actually manage money and spending decisions together is challenging. Yeah. And so, you know, we've kind of had a lot of experimentation and trial and error on how do we combine finances and how do we spend money jointly, and so we had this inflection point even just a few weeks ago where I'm like, man, I really feel like we're spending too much money. It was like, well, let's look at the numbers. And I just kind of exported our checking account. What are the inflows and outflows? And we determined that we were on average spending anywhere between 3000 to 3500 a month together. And it was like, okay, this isn't a problem. We are still living below our means. And when you get to a certain point where the gap between your income and your expenses is pretty significant, you can stop stressing over every dollar and you can start thinking, okay, because there comes a point, I think, on the path to financial freedom where for most of it, what I was asking myself was, how do I increase my income, reduce my expenses, invest the gap? What is my financial independence number that I'm trying to hit? And how do I get there faster? Like those were the questions that were dominating my thoughts. And then I started asking myself, like, what if I didn't need more money? What if I needed just more imagination and on using the money I already have? If you're racing towards a financial independence number, are you neglecting the life you could be living now? And my focus really shifted from trying to to reach this magical fine number to creating a life I don't feel like I need to retire from. You know, that that was a big shift for me. And I think being able to share that with him and focus on, okay, we don't have a spending problem. We don't have an income problem. Maybe we've got a little scarcity mindset, but that's easily overcome, right? Yeah. So what are our dreams together? And like we have a, we actually use something called Asana. It's a project management tool. And we use Asana for yeah. our family and for our household. So it's a lot of things like household maintenance. We have a 10-year-old. He has a, a child from a previous marriage. We've got three animals. You know, We've got a house to take care of. We've got long-term aspirations. We've got short-term aspirations. We use a project management tool to keep track of all of that. And we have weekly family meetings where we look at our finances. We look at our goals. And like one of my goals is I never want to have a W-2 job again. Right. And so, and one of his goals is I want to get into real estate investing right? How do we support each other on realizing those long-term goals and using our money from that rather than griping about, you went to Starbucks last week and that's not in the budget, right? Yeah. I love that. I love that. And it sounds like communication is critical and that's always the key, right? Diana, this has been great. Where can all the ladies listening learn more about you? 
Yeah. Well, if you enjoyed my ramblings about money, you can actually listen to them every single day of the week. I host a podcast called Optimal Finance Daily. And this is a show where I read to you from personal finance bloggers. And then I offer you a little bit of commentary on it in 10 minutes or less every single day. And then I also run a yearly event about financial independence called the Economy Conference. So you can check out economyconference.com or the podcast Optimal Finance Daily. All this information how to find Diana, you can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. The first one, Diana, is what's the most transformational book you ever read? Ah, The Simple Path to Wealth. That's what got me comfortable with index fund investing. It's by J.L. Collins. Awesome. Second question is, What's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life, whatever balance means to you? This is like so specific, but it's the first thing that popped in my mind. When I go grocery shopping and everyone's like griping about inflation right now, which I get it. It's a thing. Things are more expensive, but I only buy meat when it's on sale for less than $3 a pound or around $3 a pound. And so I just kind of stockpile it. I have a freezer in my basement. And so I never spend more than $3 a pound for meat. And I feel like it's a very financially frugal way to go about it. <laughs> there you go. My mom just mentioned about prices of things. And I was like, I have no idea. Maybe I should pay attention to it a little bit more. <laughs> I'll use that as a rule for my mom. Uh, last question, Diana. Which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? There's a woman named Mel Robbins who's kind of an in, you know inspirational kind of speaker, motivational speaker, but she really didn't dive into it until her like 40s and it started with a TEDx. And I just love her whole vibe and the way she's so authentic and vulnerable. Um, yeah, I, I would say she's very inspiring to me. Yes, one of our favorites. Mel, if you're listening, you will be on our show at some point. <laughs> Diana, thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks for sharing all your nuggets and wisdom and uh, just appreciate your time so much. So thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.